Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Praise the Lord and a very good morning to everyone that is worshipping together with us as a church in this morning's English service. Indeed, it was a wonderful time of worship. Boast, I will boast in the Lord my God. Many people boast in different things, but the Word of God says that if we boast, we will boast that we know the Lord. This morning, I would like to share a word that has been on my heart for many, many weeks now. And as I've been preparing for this particular message, I sensed my heart, the Lord wanted me to share the word this morning from this particular scriptures. And the title of my message today is called Becoming Great in God's Kingdom or Being Great in God's Kingdom. Many people around the world talk about greatness. When we think about greatness, many people talk about, uh, you know, they say, her beauty is great, or we talk about people's possessions. The ones who has a lot of possession is considered great. Or one who has a lot of knowledge has got a great degree, uh, maybe studying out of the best universities uh, and doing great, has come on top of certain companies that have billions of dollars of assets and is a CEO of that company. Your knowledge or intelligence, your achievements, your possessions, your beauty, your abilities are things that are considered great. That's why we have famous lists like the Forbes 500 or the top 100 or, or, or the top richest people in the nation or the 100 richest people in the world or the most influential people, the list of names that are most influential, the strongest, the fastest, the smartest, the brightest. Everything is catered towards Promoting greatness in the world. If you look at the, the Miss, Miss Universe or the Miss Mr. Universe competitions that are happening from across, across the globe, the best and the most capable people come along so that they will be able to present themselves as some of the most beautiful or the strongest, the most muscular, the most able, the most sharpest minds that can one day be celebrated as Miss Universe or Mr. Universe. In the sports world, people are trying to break records. They're trying to go farer, faster, farther than anyone else and to achieve more things in the sports world, to win cups and laurels. And just like in the Olympics, people for thousands of years have competed one with another in social media influence. In movie, in actings, in, in Hollywood or in other kinds of uh, cinema around the world. He's the greatest actor ever known or she's the most influential person on social media with millions of followers. Or maybe someone would be considered one of the greatest musicians that has ever lived. I grew up in an era where Michael Jackson was, was coming out with some phenomenal music. And it amazed us and how the genre of music he was coming up with was of such great excellence. There was no one, if you may, in those days to compete with what he came out. And in fact, many people celebrate him as the greatest musician of 
the millennium, probably of the last thousand years, the most celebrated and greatest musician. But the greatest has gone, the fastest many have gone, the smartest have gone. Many nations consider themselves great. They consider themselves great because of uh, what they achieve or the standard of living, the wealth they have. And in some nations, some people, some go ahead and suffix that name in front of their family. The name great in front of their family, in front of their own laurels or front of their nation's title. They'd like to put that. And because everyone wants and desires for an aura of greatness around their name. And then we see in a few years the sun sets on that greatness. Even when we think of greatness in the kingdom of God, when we think of greatness in the body of Christ, many times we think about great names like Billy Graham, who we would say was a great evangelist, or Reinhard Bonnke was a great evangelist, or we think about the pastors who have the largest churches in the world, and we would tend to call them great. But are they truly great in the eyes of God when it comes to the kingdom of God? What would be the measure? What would be the standard that we would use to consider? Is somebody great in the kingdom of God? And I want to tell you something as a foundational truth today. I want to lay down a foundation about greatness. That must be the foundation of everything we're going to look at in the next few minutes. Greatness is something and only something that God has. It is He who is the source of all greatness and God is the only one who can give this greatness away to people. God is the source of all greatness. If you say you're the greatest musician, uh, music was, was, was created by God. If you say, well, he's the fastest man on earth. It was God who created this person with such a muscular structure and and ability and opportunity. Born in such a home that he was not limited by his physical conditions. It was God behind that. If you look at the smartest man, the wisest man, the most intelligent, the people with the greatest IQ. It was God who was behind designing that person. The Bible says, in your, I, it was God who knit us together in our mother's womb. We have been fearfully and wonderfully made. God is the source of all greatness. And any of us claim any kind of greatness, it's only because God has chosen to give it away. It's a very sobering thing for us to think that God is indeed the, the source of all our greatness. Some of us pride in our family, some would pride in our job, some pride in our ability, our skill. Even though many believers who genuinely don't think they want to pride. But nevertheless, every one of us, in some or the other stage in our life, we struggle with pride. Spouses, one with another. In marriage, people pride. Oh, I'm better than the other one. Oh, I'm better than the other one. I'm better than my husband. or my, I'm better than my wife. And we pride in that. And there becomes a, a struggle that comes. And in our heart, we begin to have a sense of, if you may, a shadowed greatness. That it is I who am suffering. It's I who am sacrificing. I'm the one that's doing it. Doing it all. Greatness is something that the devil lost. Heaven and, the, and his commission in heaven in the pursuit of greatness. Satan was an archangel in heaven. He was, he was the one. Lucifer was the, you know, the, the head of all the worship that was in heaven. And yet in the pursuit of greatness. One day in Isaiah 14 and verse 13, Lucifer said, the Bible says that he said in his heart, I will ascend to heaven. 
I will raise my throne about the stars of God and I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the recess of the north. Greatness, the pursuit of greatness was something Satan ended up losing his commission and a place of aboard heaven in the presence of God. He lost it in the pursuit of greatness. Adam and Eve lost their sonship and their authority in the lust for greatness. One day Satan told Eve, oh, you know what? God is a jealous God. God does not want you to become like him. And that is why, because God is jealous, and that is why he does not want you to eat of this fruit. But the Bible says that Eve, he, she desired for the fruit. She desired to become like God. She desired to become wise. Minimizing that God had already made Adam and Eve the children of God. In the pursuit of greatness, Adam and Eve lost their sonship. In the pursuit of greatness, Adam and Eve lost their mandate. In the pursuit of greatness, Adam and Eve lost their communion with God. It was while they went lusting for greatness. The Bible says in Genesis 3, the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die, but in the pursuit of greatness, they ate the fruit that was forbidden and they died. In, In pursuit of greatness, Satan lost his commission and his heavenly abode. In the pursuit of greatness, Adam and Eve, they lost their sonship and their authority and the mandate God and put of their life. In the pursuit of greatness, the disciples, they fought for greatness. See, the thing we don't understand about it, greatness is something that only can come from God. And in the pursuit of some greatness that God has not given us, we end up losing even what God has given us in our hand. Many times I've seen people... They go after things that God has not commissioned. They can go after things that God has not permitted. And in the process, we can end up losing even that greatness which God has commissioned for us. There is a greatness that is there in every one of us. What is that greatness? Oh, that we are the sons and daughters of God. That we can look to Him and cry, Abba, Father. And in the process of desiring greatness that is not handed us over by God, we end up losing the greatness in the identity of being the sons and daughters of God in the process of trying to have a greatness of our possession or greatness of our promotions or greatness of our people accepting us and honoring us. The disciples fought for it. In fact, they fought over who is the greatest in the kingdom of God. They argued about it. Not once. Many a times the disciples argued about it. They were interested. What would be my role in the kingdom? Jesus, you know, when I come in the kingdom, what's going to be my role? What's going to be my position? What's going to be the the role that I do? And they wanted to be great. Rather than explaining all these structures and how the kingdom of God is going to be, Jesus just did showed, demonstrated something. He just pulled a child in and he said, if anybody wants to be great in the kingdom of God, I'm going to tell you the secret, he said. If anybody wants to be great in the kingdom of God, then you have to become like a child. Jesus saying, unless you become like a child, you can never really be great in God's kingdom. See, it's at that time when this is going on, John the Apostle suddenly discovers that there are some of the people that are using the name of Jesus and casting some demons out. 
Oh, wait a minute. They were beginning to do which seemed exclusively like John's and the other disciples' ministry. So he gets upset. He comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, did you know that they're casting out demons in your name? And Jesus was not really moved or upset by any of that. In fact, John really didn't get it when, when Jesus was telling him, I want you to become like children. Because John wanted exclusivity to the fame of casting out demons or doing the ministry of Jesus. And when he saw others that were not from his brand, not from his group, not from his church, not from his company of friends, not from his group of disciples, when he saw others doing exactly what he was doing, and they are becoming great and famous in the eyes of people too, oh, he got upset. And he goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I, I want to tell you something. You know, I just heard that some people are casting out Jesus, demons in Jesus' name. In your name, can you, can you imagine, Jesus, the nerve they have to use your name? Oh, the nerve they have to use what is not actually theirs. And Jesus looked at John and thought, oh gosh, I don't think he gets it. Because greatness does not come by the miracles you do or the authority you carry. He says, I don't think you get it, John. Greatness does not come by the manifestation of what ministry you have or the demonstration of power or miracles or healings. That is not what makes one great in the kingdom of God. He looked at the disciples and said, don't be excited that demons tremble at your command. Rather, be excited that your name is written down in the book of life. Hallelujah. Jesus was saying, it's a great thing that your name and my name would be written down in the book of life. You see, it is God who deserves all the glory and not any one of us. No elite group of believers, Christians, preachers, teachers deserves a glory that only belongs to God. All around the world, people are trying to get glory. You look at famous people, they, with this skill, they want to get glory. You look at the nations of the world, rulers of the nations. They try to brand themselves, bring, build publicity, create a larger than life image, try to promote themselves by all kinds of falsehood and things like that. Not knowing only God can give greatness. Not knowing unless the Lord lifts somebody up, we cannot lift ourselves up. In fact, the church has tried very hard as a godly church. The church tries very hard to focus on giving God the glory. That God would be great. That God would be exalted. But did you know that God also wants to choose people? In the kingdom of God, that God wants to say, I want to share my greatness with you. God is saying, I really want to share my greatness with you. Wait a minute. Does God have a greatest in the kingdom list or something like that? Does not God love everyone equally? Does not God treat everyone equally? Then what does it mean that someone, how can my brother or that sister, whom I don't think is very great, how can God decide that someone like that is great? What are the standards? What is it that God... How can he have a greatness list? But Bama Bible says very clearly, God does have a standard of greatness in the kingdom of God. God loves everybody equally, but some make him proud. 
God loves everyone equally, but some go out of the way to manifest the greatness of God. See, in all my life, I've actually never heard a message being preached about the greatness of God. I really have never heard, uh, not about the greatness about, of God, but that about the great, who is great in the kingdom of God. We see, you know, in the gospel of Matthew and Mark, and we see that James and John, one day they came uh, and they told Jesus, Jesus, we want you, we want to sit on your right and on your left, you know, and, and, and Jesus, you know, we, we want to, in your kingdom, can you tell us what's your position? What all, what all positions are open? Is the right and left open? Just in case it is, uh, first come, first serve. We are coming to you and asking, first come, first serve, can you please give us that? Uh, before others ask, Lord, we're the first ones. Since we're the first ones, give us that first come, first serve opportunity. And the disciples looked at Jesus only to be disappointed. Jesus looked and said, are you able to suffer what I'm going to suffer? Are you going to go through all the challenges that I'm going to go through? Challenge? They said, no problem. I mean, that's a piece of cake. We'll do that. Just give the left and right to us. And Jesus looked at them and said, you know what? Even if I'd love to, even if I'd love to give you that right and left, I just want you to know that can only be given by God. Even if you're the smartest, even if you're the fastest, even if you are the best, even if you are the one who can think clearer than others, you know, I want to tell you, greatness only comes from God. Only God can share His greatness. Every ability we have in all humility needs to bring us back to the foot of the cross and say, God, all I have is only what you have given me. I don't have anything else. Because these things have come from God. They belong to God. And have been prepared and put in each one of us for His great glory. We see in Matthew's Gospel 19.28 that God actually desires to share His greatness. I mean, it's crazy. He's telling His disciples, He's telling them, you know what, truly, truly, I say to you that you who have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man will sit on His glorious throne, you shall sit upon 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Hallelujah. See, God wanted to give these 12 guys greatness. He's saying, you're not ordinary people. You're going to be judging the 12 tribes of Israel. But while God wants to share His greatness, these guys are busy spending time fighting over who is great in the kingdom of God. Is it me? Or am I greater than Peter? Peter's like, am I great? You dare discuss that? Do you know what? I'm the one that came first before you guys. Andrew and I were here before you, James and John. You know, they could have debated all of that. Uh, but, but, you know, Jesus would not have any of this. Many times we use... Uh, we use our own standards and our own measures. Even though God wants to make you and me great, we use our standards and measures to measure our greatness. We can measure our greatness by what we do in the kingdom. I, I can think in my heart, oh, I'm Pastor John, and I can consider that to be great. And God in heaven would just shake his head and say, that's just a title. That's just a responsibility. Greatness is only which I share with people. God has prepared a place of greatness for you and for me. Not for the ones that desire it, but for the ones that God prepares it for. God has in fact called people to greatness. And unless we are called to greatness, we have no greatness of any sort that is there in our heart. Luke's Gospel 1 and verse 32 says like this. He says, the angel Gabriel when he comes and he's speaking to Mary, 
He's proclaiming to Mary and saying, and he shall be called great. And he will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him his, the throne of his father, David. Hallelujah. That was a fulfillment of prophecy. A prophecy which God had promised David. And now Jesus was, say, was going to be called the son of the most high and also the son of David. You see, when it comes to the kingdom of God, the greatness in the kingdom is not about prestige or power or all these things. It is about sacrifice responsibility. It's about loving God with a pure heart. It's about honoring God with all that we have. To be great in God's kingdom, we have to be self-sacrificing. We have to choose, Lord, not my glory, but your glory. Be it all be unto you. So if you were to have a list of greatness in God's kingdom, you and I would probably put certain names on that list and say, this is probably someone who's great in the kingdom of God. Or that is probably someone who's great in the kingdom of God. But if God were to look at your list and my list, many of the people we put on that list will probably not be there. Many times in our heart we get it wrong. So if we were to look at God's list of greatness, who would they be? And I want to start with firstly, who would be great in God's kingdom? Firstly, the greatest person in God's kingdom is none other than our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ himself. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Philippians and chapter 2, verse 5 to 11, the Bible says, have this attitude in your heart, which was also in Christ Jesus. Although he was God, he humbled himself and he took on the form of a man and verse 8 says, he being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Verse 9, for this reason, God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Of those in the heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is God, the Lord, to the glory of the Father. The Bible is saying, because he humbled down, God exalted him and gave him a name. That is above every other name. He is called, according to Revelation 17, 14, the Bible says he is called King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. Who is the greatest in the kingdom? It is none other than our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What are the standards of greatness in the kingdom of God? Secondly, who is great in the kingdom of God? The ones who prepared the church for the second coming of Jesus. And who are proclaiming to the lost about the second coming of Jesus. That there is no other name in heaven and earth by which a man shall be saved. Except the name of Jesus. Such a one is great in the kingdom of God. When we think of the Old Testament, we think of many greats. We think of Noah and Enoch and Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, Isaiah, Elisha, Elijah, Daniel... We think of many, many great people, David, or so many great people in the Old Testament. But when we look at it, Moses was the meekest. Noah was blameless. Abraham had the greatest faith. Elijah was fearless. Daniel was righteous. But when Jesus, when he looked at this, the entire people of the Old Testament... And wanted to choose someone. He looked at John, a lowly John the Baptist. And he said. Among all the people. Children born to women. The greatest of them. Was John the Baptist. Wait a minute Jesus. Wait. Just, just wait a minute. I mean. Did you forget. That Moses parted the Red Sea. Jesus. What's wrong with you. Did you forget that Daniel. Even though he was taken as a slave. 
how he obeyed God and became the, 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 the governor of the entire empire of, of the Babylonians. Did you forget that? Lord, what about Noah? When there was, he, he didn't know what a flood was. He didn't know what rain was. He didn't know what an ark was. And yet he went out and obeyed you. Wasn't he the greatest? Wait a minute. Yes, indeed, Moses was great. Indeed, Noah was great. Indeed, Elijah was great. What about Elisha? They doubled the miracles of Elijah. Oh, indeed, all these people are great. But God says, I reserve the right to share my greatness. And I decide who will be the greatest. And Jesus looked at the people and said, among all of the Old Testament, the greatest was John the Baptist. The truth is that there are many great in God's kingdom. But many of those great people in God's kingdom are often not looked at as great by the world. When John the Baptist looked at himself, he didn't think he was great. He was thinking, well, I don't deserve, Lord, to untie your shoes. Lord, I don't deserve to baptize you. No, me, baptize you, no way. You see, many great people in the kingdom of God don't feel they are great. They think of themselves very small, but yet many people look at more popular people and think in their heart, oh, we are great. You know, in that way, people like me stand in a dangerous place. Pastor John, maybe a popular or, or a big name or many people following on social media or large number of people in the churches and we're tempted to believe we are great. When God would look to a small little tiny little gathering in, an, in, a, in, a, in a small village in a forsaken part of the world where a man is Faithfully walking with God and leading a handful of people into the ways of God. And God from heaven would look at them and that is, say, that is my faithful and great one. God would call such a one great. And yet the world would call those that have fan following. Those that would have millions in following them. Likes or social media following or influencers. And God wouldn't look at that and call that great. John didn't see himself as great. In fact, he didn't have any sort of greatness that man might look at it and the world would measure it by. He didn't live, you know, in palaces. He lived in the wilderness. He ate locust and honey. I mean, his cuisine didn't, wasn't fancy. He was wearing camel skin. Uh, you know, his dress code, fashion sense was bad. What he, where, where he lived, he, he lived in a wilderness instead of living in the city. That was the wrong place if you really want to be an influencer. His style was unpolished. His message was politically incorrect. And he was a wild man. The way he spoke was calling rebuke. He did not know how to speak a gentle word. And yet when God from heaven looked at him, and he said of all the women born in the Old Testament, that had children, John the Baptist was the greatest. He was in fact definitely not marriage material. He was not some, someone that the women would go gaga over. His place of residence would not be a place where a woman would want to go and make house with him. His, you know, he was a Nazarite baby. He set himself apart unto the Lord. He was definitely not marriage material. If he had to be considered that, they would scorn at him. But why was John the greatest in the kingdom? John was the greatest in the kingdom in the Old Testament for two reasons. Because... Firstly, he started pointing people towards Jesus. He started pointing them towards the Messiah. And secondly, because he committed his life to prepare the way for the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ.
He, they asked her, who are you? He said, I'm just a voice. I'm nobody. I'm nothing. I'm just a voice preparing the way for the coming of the Lord. Today I want you to know many times when we look at some people, we look at their dress sense and we say they're not important. We look at whether they have money and we say they don't have much money. No, can't be important. You look at their message. Oh, he doesn't know how to preach. He's very rugged. He's rude. He's arrogant. He's... And God might look from heaven and say, that's greatness. That's greatness in the kingdom because, because he's a Nazarite and he's keeping the vows to the Lord. He's preaching the message of the Lord. He's living in the location of the Lord. He's declaring the truths of the Lord. He's walking in the humility of the Lord. He's doing the mandate of the Lord. Everything about his life is summed up in that one line, I must decrease and he must increase. When God sees someone thinking in his heart, I must decrease and he must increase, God says, put my greatness upon that man. Put my greatness upon that man because greatness is from God. Thirdly, when you think about greatness, if God were to share his greatness, Christ is the greatest person, then we saw that, that someone who points towards Jesus and prepares the world and the church for the second coming of Jesus is called great. Thirdly, who would be great in God's kingdom? The Bible says, if one obeys the word of God and models and teaches the word of God to others. The Bible says, such a one is great in the kingdom of heaven. Look at Matthew's Gospel 5.19. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same, shall be called the least in the kingdom. But whoever keeps and teaches them shall be called the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. If you are ever wondering who is the least in the kingdom of heaven, you don't have to look further. Anybody who tells people, oh, I know this is the word of God, but it's okay, you don't need to do that. You just need to believe some part of the word. You just need to believe in the grace of God and just forget about the obeying God because it's by grace, by through faith that you are saved. Anyone who teaches that, the Bible says, will be called the least in the kingdom of God. Anyone who teaches, who you know, misinterprets the scriptures so that he can be promoted. The Bible says they'll be the least in the kingdom of God. He who minimizes obedience to God's word. But the Bible goes on to say, who's going to be the greatest? The greatest in the kingdom will be the one that obeys God's word. In fact, Titus chapter 2 and verse 7. The Bible says, in all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds. With purity, with doctrine, dignified. You see, what is the Bible saying? Purity and doctrine. That's life, message, good deeds, life and message. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, obey the word of God, model it to others and teach the word of God. The Bible says if anyone takes courage to obey the word of God, to model it and to teach it to others, such a one will be great in God's kingdom. Hence we see it thirdly. It is the one who, who obeys the will of God, the word of God, who models it as an example. Be an example in all things. The scriptures tell again and again. Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, be an example to the people. Model it out to others and teach that word of God and do the will of God. And when such a one does this, they will be great in the kingdom of God. One day the disciples were saying, we're, we're great. We seem to be great because demons are obeying us. And the Lord would encourage them, no, 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 that's not greatness. That's just power. Greatness 
is when God recognizes you're a person worthy for God to share his greatness with. Fourthly, when you consider fourthly who's great in God's kingdom, fourthly, the Bible says the one who humbles himself. One who humbles himself. Oh, this is a powerful verse. Matthew's Gospel 18 and verse 4. Matthew's Gospel chapter 18 verse 4 says, Whoever humbles himself as the child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself as a child, he is the greatest. Anybody, humility is what God calls greatness. Wait a minute. Oh, what do you mean? The Bible says, whoever exalts himself shall be humbled and whoever humbles himself, God says, I will make great. Anybody choosing to humble himself, God is saying, I will make you great. Humble yourself therefore before the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up in due time. God wants to lift us up. You know, there's this scripture in Micah in chapter 6 and verse 8. From my childhood days, this scripture has been on my heart and I thought about it much. It says like this, he has told you, O oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. What does God require from you? What does God want from you and from me? But to do justice, to show mercy, and to walk humbly before the Lord. This is what God wants from you and me. If there is one thing God wants from us, is that we do the right thing, we show mercy and kindness, walk in love towards people, and we walk in humility before the Lord. Because only those who walk in humility are the people who can actually walk in love. In fact, if we don't have humility, what happens is that we will even reject the word of God that we are hearing. Uh, James 1 and verse 21 says like this, Therefore putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Humility, you receive the word implanted in your heart that can save your soul. Which means without humility, we will reject the word. Without humility, we will not be able to obey God and honor his word. Fifthly, what is the standard of greatness in God's kingdom? We just saw humility. We just saw proclaiming the coming of Jesus. We saw obeying the word, preaching the word and modeling it out. But fifthly, what is the standard of greatness in God's kingdom? The Bible says, he who becomes the least among you is the one who is going to be great in the kingdom of God. The least among you on earth become like a child. Luke's gospel, chapter 9, was 46 to 48. One day an argument broke up among the disciples. And the argument among them, among Peter, James, John, and all these guys, that, I mean, the question was, who's the greatest among us? You see, it was so important to them that they knew this is a kingdom and what an opportunity as fishermen and as, some, as nobodies, now they had an opportunity to be in the kingdom. They asked the question, who's the greatest? And Jesus called a little child by his side. And he said, whoever receives this child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me has received the one who sent me. For the one who's least among you is the one who's greatest. The one who is least among you. See, Jesus was saying, you got it all wrong. Your concept of greatness is wrong. Your, your qualification standards are wrong. The methods you're using and thinking are wrong. Because in your mind, it's power and privilege and kingdom and authority and right hand and left hand and all of that. But I think, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you, I think you got it all wrong. I want you to change and become like this little child. Do you see this child Jesus was saying? 
See, what is it about a child? When you look at a child, a child is not looked at as great by anybody. In fact, they looked as immature, small, don't have, they don't have power, they don't have influence, they don't have money, they don't have wealth, they don't have land and property, they don't have inheritance, they don't have knowledge the way grown-ups have. They, what, they, they don't have anything that these grown-up greats have. But one thing a child does have, he just loves his daddy and mommy. She just loves her daddy and mommy. A child loves the father and mother. In fact, that's the parents are a child's world. And Jesus said, unless you become like this child who has nothing but loves unconditionally, you will never be great in God's kingdom. You'll never be great in God's kingdom because when it comes to God's kingdom, you and I need to admit we are in need. Our heart of being a child of God, we need to we need to recognize in our heart that we are absolutely hopeless. That we need the mercy of God. Greatness is not in what we achieve or the ministry we do. Greatness is in recognizing, God, I am nothing. I have nothing. Many times we, we, we look at ourselves and say, look at me. Did you see how much Bible I have? Do you know how much knowledge of the Bible I have? Do you know how many scriptures I can quote? Do you know how, what position I hold in that church or what place I have in that committee? Do you know that I'm better than others in many things? Do you know I'm more intelligent, more capable than my pastors? I'm more knowledgeable than my leaders. I am more wise in making wealth than many other people. I'm smarter in business. I'm capable in, in my sphere. I'm better than others and God, you, you, I bet you must accept me because I'm good at all of this and look how much I have used it for the kingdom. But a true child of God would be like that tax collector and the sinner. The sinner just bowed his face down to the ground weeping. Wouldn't even lift his head up. And he said, Lord, I, I'm just so... I'm nothing, Lord. While the Pharisee stood there and said, Lord, I'm something. I give, I tithe, I... I do all of that. The sinner just bowed his face to the ground and said, Lord, I'm nothing. And God looked at him and saw greatness in him. Jesus saw the rich men because they're giving, putting a lot of money, bags of money in the offering bag and saw a woman with two mites putting all she had and God saw greatness in her. By no standards would the wealthy of the world will consider her great. But God looked at that heart of greatness. A true child of God is not one who says that I am something. A true child of God is one who says, Lord, I am absolutely nothing. I am unworthy. I have no right to be part of this kingdom. But God, you have shown me mercy. I am not better than others. I am not bigger than others. I am not smarter. But because you accepted me, because you have given me another chance, that is why I have what I have. Otherwise, I'd be absolutely hopeless, lost in my sin, a total failure. God, I'm begging that you have mercy on me. This is a true child of God. So who will be really part of this kingdom? Jesus went out and said, Blessed are the poor in the spirit, for they shall be, they shall have the inherit the kingdom of God. Poor in spirit is not a lacking in wealth, poor in spirit is in a greatness of humility. This is indeed the greatness of God. Finally, if you would ask, who is great in God's kingdom? The Bible says, 
in Matthew's gospel 20 and verse 26. It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to be great in God's kingdom shall be your servant. God is saying, not only you be humble, not only that you become the least, the smallest. But God is saying, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, I want you to go out and serve other people. When this dispute woke up, broke up between the disciples, who's the greatest, who's the greatest, who's the greatest? In Luke's gospel 22, verse 25 to 27, Jesus, he, he says the Gentiles are the ones who lord it over one another. The Gentiles are the ones who are saying, I'm greater, he's not, you're not so great. Because they want to benefit. They say, they, the kings of the Gentiles, they lord it, and those who have authority over them are called benefactors. But he says, but it shall not be the same. He brings the, the story of greatness to such a place where he say, I want to tell you something about this greatness. He says, I want to tell you, firstly, the greatest among you should be like a child, like the youngest. No, no authority, no promotion, no greatness by himself, only that which is given to the child. Just like the child's greatness is in the father's greatness. In the same way, today our greatness is in the father's greatness. The greatest among you must become like a child. Secondly, he says, but the one who rules must become like the one who serves. Today, God is calling you and me. If he's brought us to a place of rulership, God is saying, I want to know, not only can you rule, but can you also, in the, in, can you serve? Can you rule through serving, by loving the people, honoring the people? Jesus said, I am among you as one who serves. And he, when he said, talk about servant, he took the basin and the towel. And he said, I want, you, I want to make a difference now. I want to serve in a different way. You see, when, many times we struggle to serve. When the example Jesus was giving was that of an Old Testament servant who had to wait on people while they were serving food. Wash the feet of the masters and the guests that came to the home. And Jesus said, if anyone wants greatness, you got to get familiar with looking at ourselves as worthy to be servants. To serve the ones that others are better than us. That's why in Mark's Gospel 10, 35 to 45, when John and James came to Jesus and said, can we sit on your right hand or on your left hand? Jesus said, are you going to suffer? And they said, yes, we will do everything. He said, it doesn't matter even if you do everything. Those places are reserved for the ones that the Father is reserving in heaven. Jesus used this opportunity to teach his disciples a principle. He called together when he called his child and he said, and, and he says something so powerful in Luke's Gospel 22 and verse 43. That's, uh, in Mark's Gospel, uh, something very powerful that he picks up over here in verse 43 of Mark's Gospel 10. Not so with you instead, Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. He says, greatness, then you must be a servant. And whoever wants to be great, first, you must be a slave. It's not might be, can be, it's possible to be. He says, you must be a servant. You must be a slave. He brings about a most repulsive demotion in the eyes of man has to be the greatest promotion in the eyes of God. Let me say that again. He brings about the most repulsive demotion in the eyes of man to be the greatest promotion 
in the eyes of the world truly god is saying today i want you to go out and love and serve people in matthew's gospel 25 and verse 40 jesus said like this in as much as you did it to the least of your brethren you have done it to me people of god god is calling you and me now to a different standard in the kingdom of god jesus is teaching that his kingdom is not like a worldly kingdom his kingdom is not like worldly principles but his kingdom has greatness in fact only his kingdom has everlasting greatness all the great kingdoms of the world have gone all the great names of the world have gone but only his kingdom has everlasting greatness and when people tend to look at different standards of greatness god's standard of greatness is that if anyone wants to be great let him humble down and walk in love let him obey the scriptures let him declare about the coming of jesus christ let him become like a child be the least inconsequential insignificant and let him serve with all his heart and the lord would say unto you today that as people the judgments in our heart that we have is very different from god god is going to say today those that are first are going to be last and those that are last will be first in god's kingdom people of god I want to pray with you today because God wants to share his greatness. He has given us the keys to greatness. Greatness is not because of our ability or our age or our knowledge or Bible or all knowledge all of that. Greatness is because God shares his greatness with you and me. Let's pray together. Father, I want to pray right now in Jesus mighty name. Father that you will give us grace to walk in obedience in the fear of the Lord. in humility in becoming like a child and lord god as a servant that through that we will be able to love and walk in humility and become like jesus and then truly the last shall be the first and the first shall be the last and we recognize it's not going to be because of our ability we recognize the only greatness we have is that which you have shared with us so we humble down we do not fight one another or we don't even think in our heart that i am greater and better than others but i walk in humility and say lord in my life be glorified and to that end we submit our lives in jesus mighty name we pray amen amen and amen thank you for listening to the sermon For more sermons please do visit us at wscc.in